today's reading is taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 to 15. Sowing generously. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for your hearts, sorry, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Well, we are looking at this uh, challenge of giving and the heading today is almost a prelude for next Sunday as we think about harvest. Uh, the heading is sowing and reaping and you have that uh, in the reading that we had earlier on. So, first of all, <coughs> Uh, you'll see this is coming up very quickly in front of you, uh, sowing and reaping. And it might be helpful just to give a summary of the sermon. And uh, it'll take more to unpack, but nevertheless, here's the summary. And it's this, that giving, in the totality of that sense of giving, not only thinking of money, though that's an integral part of the series, um, giving creates a ripple effect for the benefit of others and bringing praise to God. There you have it. That's the sermon. That our giving creates a rippled effect for the benefit of others and bringing praise to God. So what we're doing is to approach this uh, chapter 9 under the following headings, just to hang our thoughts so that we can um, reflect upon them. This is a great challenge to us uh, here today. So, um, all Christians, all Christians are called to be generous. A miserable Christian is a contradiction. A contradiction in terms. An enigma. An offense to God who has been so generous to us. All Christians are called to be generous. And then in this passage, you'll see, and we're, all we're doing is to follow it as in the sequence that it comes, that all Christians are encouraged to be gracious, to be lacking in grace and to profess to know Jesus is a contradiction in terms. 
All Christians are encouraged to be gracious in relationships particularly. And especially with people who are different to us. And sometimes that's a big challenge to sustain relationships. Because people are demanding. That's what we are like. And then finally, all Christians are challenged to be spontaneous. There ought to be times in our lives when it's the sheer spontaneity, the overflow of God's goodness to us. And we should know times and seasons of being like that. So, that's where we're going. That's the lay of the land. And last Sunday, in 2 Corinthians 8, um, we uh, were looking at uh, giving and living. Now we are thinking, as we approach chapter 9, uh, of this idea of our calling and to see its practical outworking in our lives. So then, the first, verses 6 and 7, and uh, uh, apart from uh, three cross-references, we confine ourselves to um, 2 Corinthians 9. And you'll be able to see how Paul's logic and the sequence unfolds as we follow the sermon. Uh, and, and, and the question posed uh, last Sunday from, from chapter 8 and verse 8 was this, that as we know and as we see each other, as we think about the various relationships that we enjoy, instead of thinking of ourselves, ask, I'll turn the question around a little bit more, when people think about us, not what we think about them, do they think generosity? Now there's a person who seems in the rhythm of life, uh, has clear priorities, commitments, time, the people, It's called, theologians call it, incarnational theology. We are the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Like him, less like ourselves. When people think about us, do they think generosity? What I'd like us to do is to think through this uh, together. Um, before the practice of giving, before we even get down to either dipping deeper into our pockets or making more time and all of that, uh, before the practice of giving, I want us, and it's always helpful, to have um, the first principle of giving. Jesus made it perfectly clear, uh, and you have it there, and it's coming up a bit ahead of me here in, in um, Luke chapter 6 and verse 38, where he says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Let's reverse that for a moment. Don't give, and it won't be given to you. And you won't have pressed down. And your life will not be running over. You are in survival of relationship, of time, of priorities, and the like. It's a great uh, imperative that Jesus gives to his disciples. Give and it will be given to you. So think about it like this then. That giving is not something we do. Giving isn't something we do in and of itself, but something that we are. Something that we are. Christian giving is a way of life. It's a lifestyle issue, not simply a certain percentage of our salary. That would almost be to trivialize it. Look at the book of Proverbs with me and turn to Proverbs chapter 11. And just to see this, first of all, and then we'll look at uh, principle and, and uh, 
see what the chapter says. Proverbs 11 and uh, verse 24. Just listen to this. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Agree? Disagree? A generous man will prosper. Now, this isn't health, wealth, and prosperity teaching. But to be, the, the, a better word would be enriched. A prosperous person in spirit, in heart, in relationship, in, in, in the diversity of life. A generous man will, be, will, will prosper. He who refreshes others will be refreshed. If you have refreshed someone, that will have a boomerang effect. It will come back to you. You might say, oh, I've done that and I've been taken for granted. And? Oh, I've done that and it made me vulnerable. And? Yes, it will. Yes. Such is the nature of uh, people. But we still must do it. We must still do it. It's not enough to say, I've done it before and I've been hurt and now I keep my distance. So let's come to the, the chapter itself, chapter 9, and look particularly, remember this, the salutary reminder um, in terms of sowing generously. First of all, the principle of increase. Those fellow gardeners here will see that this is, this is such an obvious uh, illustration. Uh, look at verse 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, the, the old gardeners, when they were putting a row of seed in the garden, whether it was carrots or parsnips or whatever, years ago they used to say this to themselves. One seed for the rook, one for the crow, one for the row. So, on a good time, just sheer common sense. That if you're going to plant, plant generously and you will reap generously. Now, the application is staring in your face, isn't it? If you are going to be miserly in time and money and, and, and gift and just hold back and be a spectator Christian, then, well, there won't be much to show at the end of it. So the principle needs little application. The gardener who sows much will have a better chance of having a good harvest. I don't think anybody would contradict that. When we are tempted to forget this principle, Paul says, remember this. Just remember it. Even if he was to apply to self-interest, to sheer common sense. But remember something else. This God, who spared not his own son, but freely gave himself up for us, will he not also give us all things? In both nature and grace, God is a generous giver, and his children should be like him. That's the first principle there that you have there in verse 6. Do you see that? But look at this, the next verse, just to see the, the continuation of this theme. Each man, each person, each man and woman should now sit down, think this thing through, no emotional pressure, 
would, should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So, the principle of increase. Now the second principle, and these two merge together very beautifully, the, the principle of intent. What is my intention? The first illustration... Motive makes no difference to sowing, none at all. If a farmer is corrupt or if he's kind, makes no his motive makes no difference in sowing. However, this here, the principle of motive, is paramount, absolutely paramount. The farmer who sows good seed is dependent on the weather. He will reap what he has sown. But not so the Christian. The Christian motive in giving is of supreme importance, vitally important. So our, our giving must come from the heart. You see that in verse 7. Each one should uh, give what he has decided in his bank account, in his circumstances, in what's going on, you know. No, you decide. In, it's a heart issue here. And your motive is of Absolute supreme importance. Absolutely. My motive in the heart is to please God. So we must not be, you see verse 7, we shouldn't be sad givers, giving grudgingly. You see that? And we shouldn't be mad givers, only out of constraint and pressure. Of course, the point there is you should be a glad giver, a cheerful giver. That's what God loves. A cheerful giver. So you see the principle. Now then, you get that right. Then get down to the practice. If you start with the practice, circumstances are going to come and you will be able to say, oh, I can't afford that. I can never really get down to giving so much of my money. You see, there are all sorts of things. Um, let me give a very personal illustration of this. And you know, it's my father's funeral on Thursday. And um, in the course of talking with his workmates when they were talking about money and double time for Sunday. Great opportunity in a culture of grinding poverty. People lived a week at a time. The issue of giving came up. And for some reason, the church my father went to was very strong in preaching on tithing. And these men knew that. And they said to my father, you know, we couldn't afford to tithe. My father said, do you know, I couldn't afford not to. And what you have, religious people, but different perspective, a different principle. Life is short. We don't take it with us. So all Christians are called, as we have opportunity, to be generous. Generosity is our calling. And it's vital that we see that. So to summarize the principle, it's this. We reap what we sow, a fruitful harvest in season. But also we sow what we reap, a future harvest for the following year. I do think, you know, as, as a gardener, we should eat seasonally. What a difference it makes when you take something ground wash and eat it rather than buy it from the supermarket. Eat seasonally. Don't put it in the freezer. Enjoy it in season. But think about the future as well. The next harvest. 
So you see, we reap what we sow, we sow what we reap. Look at the second principle then. All Christians are called to be generous. All Christians are encouraged to be gracious. Generous with what we have, gracious with people whom we belong. Look at verse 8. And God is, and what a massive, comprehensive verse this is. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. It's almost the language of uh, superlatives and exaggeration, but it isn't. Attitude and action uh, linked together here. You cannot evade this as a Christian. You cannot. Grace makes you grateful. And grace should make you Gracious. And if you're not, you should ask, is it just my temperament? Was it really my parents? Or is there something in me that I'm, I'm not prepared to, to bend my spirit? That's the challenge. Because God is the source of all blessings. And you are his child. And you are called to be like him. It's very humbling, you know, when you go to parts of Africa where they have virtually little, if anything, and the service always begins. God is good all the time. The congregation replied, all the time God is good. He is good. And you shouldn't limit him to the circumstances or the heartaches or the difficulties that are all a part of life. God is good all the time. And you see, verse 8, God has provided for our needs. And four times, all at all times, having all you need, you'll abound in all things. So what's the implication? He provides for us, and I say, I'm blessed. He provides through us, and I'm a blessing. Let me shock you. You'll remember this. Don't be a damn Christian. You say, I heard it in church for the first time. What is it? Well, what does a damn do? D-A-M-N. D-A-M. D-A-M. What does it do? It has the flow of water coming into it. And it retains that. There are many Christians like that. A damn Christian. Having so much, taking it in, but never giving it out. Never actually giving expression to this bountiful grace that is ours. So be a channel Christian. That's why we sang deliberately last Sunday the prayer of uh, St. Francis. Make me a channel of your peace. So that where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is injury, let me bring pardon. Where there is doubt, let me bring faith. Where there is despair, let me bring hope, darkness, light, and so on. Make me like that. Be a channel Christian. Not a damn Christian. Just taking. So that you, you imagine the picture. Let me, there you are, a, a dam full of water. And there are the arid scenery, parched land. And it's not giving. It's there. And there's the massive need. It's there. And what's it doing? Nothing. Well, that's a contradiction in terms, isn't it? All Christians are encouraged to be gracious, to be a giving Christian. Interestingly, Paul wants to buttress his point here by quoting from the psalm. Look, look at Psalm 112. Just to, he quotes this. Uh, and and he, 
What he wants to do is say, yes, this is, a, this is a Gentile culture. That was a Jewish culture. Times then, time. You know how people say, all oh, times have changed. Like as if, and? The truth is unchanging. Psalm 112, and look at verse 6. Surely, he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. Bad news is like that. You, get no, you don't get a warning with bad news, do you? And you are shaken. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. The righteous endure forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. And Paul quotes that psalm. That God is consistently and constantly generous. God is a giving God. He so loved the world that he gave. He could have given less, but he couldn't give more. And the last uh, point that we have here in terms of sowing and reaping is this. That yes, all Christians are called to be generous. And all Christians are encouraged to be gracious. And all Christians are challenged to be spontaneous. To do things out of sh the sheer spontaneity. Now, I'm not saying you to do that all the time. Because that, in a way, he said, you should sit down, do a calculation, decide in your heart, be measured, be specific. Yes, do that. But don't only do that. Look at the, look at the bounty and the generosity of God. Don't be, don't be a Pharisee even in your tithe, which might be an awful lot of money. So that's not the point. All Christians are called to be spontaneous. Why do we say that? Well, look at the, look at, uh, the, the end of the, this, uh, this chapter. As you have it there. Uh, in, well, look at verse 10, for instance. Now, he who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich, enriched in every way so that you can become generous on every occasion. Does that spoil it? You would say, I'd like to be rich in every way and enjoy a good life. No, I become enriched so that I can be generous on every occasion. Why? And through us, the end of verse 11, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So then, what, what do we make of these concluding verses? We are challenged to be spontaneous. You see the progression. Uh, there you have it uh, uh, in front of you there. Um, verse 6, sowing generously. It makes sense. It really makes sense. You say, yeah, I'm, I'm not a great gardener. I understand that. Then verse 7, giving cheerfully. You, you, the, the, the Greek word his literally means hilarious. I suppose... Uh, when the offering comes round, that's the most hilarious part of the service. Should be. The trouble is, most of us have already, the way of life, it's, in, it's, it's a standing order. And that's, that's fine. But you see the point, don't you? It's this, this is the activity of bringing uh, blessing, giving cheerfully. 
This is, I'm part of something really big and great that will outlast my life. That is something very wonderful and very powerful. And then verse 8, providing bountifully. Because God is like that and I'm his child. And he's a, he is bountiful. Then this last section here, responding spontaneously. Yes, we, we should have a plan. What we have given in our standing order should not be an accident. It shouldn't be circumstantial. We sit down and we decide in our heart, this is what I want to give. I thought it through and I prayed about it. And when the offering comes around, I might reflect, yes, that's his. That belongs to, to God. I've done that. I've got system. I've got structure. Just look at 1 Corinthians to see how um, the, 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 the church, and this is an amazing thing, of course, the, the collection of the church, of, of, among the churches, so that the strong would help the weak. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 1. You, you might say, what a, what a massive anticlimax. The great resurrection passage. The sting of death is sin, the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor, your giving, your gifting is not in vain. Now about the collection. It's a pity it, uh, chapter 16 begins like that because there is no contradiction between that's spiritual, that's not. We have no right to pigeonhole things like that. Now about the collection, chapter 16, verse 1. The collection for God's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. One, on, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Saving it up so that when I come, no collection, no, no the collection is given regularly, not just a big one-off is to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. You, do you see the, the accountability? Some people are, are tempted with money. It's a big temptation. And, and people need to admit that. So, Paul says, I'll give it in writing, and men who are approved, men who are accountable to hold the money. So, in verses 12 to 15, yes, there's the plan, there's the structure, there's that, that's, that's what we are called to be like. But the point here is this. Yet you've done that, I hope, anyway. Right. But the element of joy, the element of sacrifice. See, giving isn't the amount you give, it's the amount you keep for yourself. That's the index of it. The element of joy. And our God is a gracious and generous giver. When John Bunyan was imprisoned in Bedford for 12 years, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. It's a, it's a marvelous, uh, I hope that you've read it to your children. He said this, there was a man, they say, he's mad. The more he gave, the more he had. Who's mad? The point is joy. God is gracious. God is generous. But don't lose this. Um, if, you, if we just were to go back to chapter 8 and verse 7, Paul says that actually this giving is a charisma. It's a gift of the Spirit. 
I wonder how many people would be craving for that gift. Not sure. In chapter 8 and verse 7, he says this, But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge or insight, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, to excel in those is a very important thing. See also, see also, that you excel in this charismatic giving. Giving is a charismatic gift. What's the conclusion? From verse 11, as you come back to uh, the passage, the giver will be enriched. That's the meaning. You will be made rich in every way, not simply finance, in every way. And this giving will come back to you. You see in verse 14, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Others will come out to you because you've shared this grace. Verse 12, the recipient will be blessed. Those who receive your gifts, gifts of service, the act of worship. The literal meaning there of service is the liturgy, how you worship, whether it's formal or informal, high or low, charismatic or traditional, whatever. No one church is, is the perfect model. This one certainly isn't. However, this is the liturgy, the worship, the fragrant offering. And then the last verse is the outcome. To stimulate more people to praise God. You should say, come with us, we'll do you good. We'll do you good. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Sowing and reaping. I hope that you do want more people to praise God. Less people to curse him. I hope that you want more people to know him. And less people to live without him. For be sure of this, if people live without God, they will die without God. And often the only people that we can rub shoulders with and present the Lord Jesus are those who say that they know and love him. Chances are they're not going to come to church very often. Sowing and reaping. Giving creates a ripple effect. For the benefit of others, bringing praise to God.